Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family here at New Hope. Our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, is currently leading us through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. What's up, church? So good to have you today. Everybody say hope rising. Everybody say halftime. Now, you know what a halftime is? You know what halftime is? So if you, if you follow sports at all, um, you know what a halftime is. Like yesterday, I was touring Duke uh, football with my good friend Thomas Sirk, who's sitting right up here. And you might think, I didn't know Duke had football. You have not followed them in the last eight to nine years because Duke has a football team. And not only do they have an amazing football team, they have an incredible facility. And uh, by the way, just last week, I think we had an entire row of Duke football players. Carolina fans, eat your heart out. That's what I'm talking about. So we were, we were touring the facility yesterday, and he was showing me the amazing locker room. And then we went down into the tunnel. The tunnel is awesome. He threw on these black lights, and I wanted to run out on the field, but I didn't. I, I, con- I controlled myself. And halftime, though, do you know what a halftime is? It's, it's a time for a team to huddle up. It's a time for a team to circle up and get a breather, if you will, right? Not grow weary, just kind of get a breather, focus on the main thing, see how we did the first half. And think about how we're going to do the second half. That's why we're calling this halftime celebration. I am so glad you are here today. Come on, let's give it up for all the campuses, 10 campuses all over the place. We love you guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So uh, grab your teaching notes, grab your teaching notes, right? Open up your binder, bam, click that thing open, throw those teaching notes in there. Uh, go to your New Hope app if you use that. Uh, go to Facebook and check in. Very, very great tool to outreach. But then in the name of Jesus, get off of Facebook. <laughs> and get your face in the book, the Word of God with me. Amen? Now, unless you're going to stay on Facebook and you're going to use your platform for Jesus. Which is awesome to do as well. But we're in a series now called The Story. And we're making our way through the Bible. And if you uh, have not received resources or you're new here, go to the Resource Center, get the storybook and the three-ring binder. And what I found interesting this week as I thought about it is that not only are we in the halftime celebration this month of Hope Rising, which I'll explain what that is. Not only are we in the halfway point of that, we are actually halfway through the story. Can you believe it? We've been doing this about halfway through the story. And so come November, it's going to be wrapped up. We will have studied from Genesis to Revelation. And it just goes to show you that it doesn't take that long to read the Word of God if you stay disciplined with it. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have, we have some Christian schools in this area. <clears throat> and um, I was talking to a teacher the other day who teaches at a Christian school. And you got to love children, right? And she was telling me how she had been teaching the children about the Old Testament, particularly the commandments. And she started telling me some answers that she received from some of her students. Now, these are true answers. She asked one kid, she said, hey, what happened to Moses before he reached the promised land? That kid said, Moses died way before he ever reached Canada. Look, the, the same kid said this. The same kid said, then Joshua led the Hebrews in the battle of Jeritol. 
<laughs> Another kid said this. The seventh commandment is thou shall not admit adultery. <laughs> Seriously? God help that kid. She said, don't worry, pastor. I'm going to get him straight. One kid said this. The Egyptians were all drowned in the desert. <laughs> Afterwards, Moses went up Mount Sinai to get the Ten Amendments. And, and uh, one kid said this. Jesus was born because Mary had an immaculate contraption. And here's my favorite. Here's, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is my favorite. Christians have only one spouse. This is called monotony. <laughs> oh, I feel, like we, we, I feel like we should pray and ask for forgiveness just for laughing about that. <laughs> Father, forgive us for we have sinned against thee. Hey, we're so excited to be in this series, and we're so excited to be in this part of the series called How to Wreck Your Life. And if you were here last week, part one of How to Wreck Your Life, within the story series, we're breaking it up along the way. Within the story series, the, this one is called How to Wreck Your Life, Five Ways to Wreck Your Life. And last week, last week we, we talked about, you want to wreck your life, listen to morons. Morons are everywhere, and they will wreck your life. They want to hijack your life. And if you're going to be successful and effective and, and, and fruitful and experience the abundant life that John 10.10 10 talks about, you have to decide who you're going to listen to. Remember we talked about how the kingdom divided. And last week it divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And Rehoboam, you might recall, asked for the advice from the elders in the community. And we honored the elders last week. Remember that? And, and the elders gave him some really good godly advice. But then he turned and he asked his younger cronies what they thought. And they were morons. They went against the advice of the elders. He listened to his young cronies instead of the advice of the elders. And it split God's kingdom in two. Now where we pick up in the story today is the kingdom is split. And there's a northern kingdom and there's a southern kingdom. The kingdom has been divided for 208 years. In that time period, there has been 38 kings of Israel. How many? 33 of the kings were evil in God's sight. 33. Five were good in God's sight. That's not a good ratio. For 208 years, we experienced this situation, and we finally reach a point where the king of the northern kingdom is King Ahab. King Ahab has a little something-something with a queen, a bad queen. I'm talking about Queen Jezebel. And you've heard about Queen Jezebel. Even if you're not a believer, you've probably heard that name flung around even in mainstream culture. Jezebel was anti-God. Jezebel was pro-pagan worship. She increased and influenced uh, the people toward pagan worship, particularly the worship of the gods of Baal, B-A-A-L. She was against the prophets. She wanted the prophets of God taken out. 
And our story begins today with Elijah confronting King Ahab. Elijah, a great prophet of God in the Old Testament. Elijah comes to King Ahab with a word from the Lord for the king. And so he goes to deliver his word from the Lord for the king. And Ahab would have nothing to do with it. Have you, ever tried, have you ever tried to deliver a word, you thought a word from God, to somebody who didn't want to hear your word from God? <laughs> You've been there, haven't you? Or, or better yet, have you ever been on the receiving end? Have you ever had somebody come up to you and they tell you they got a word from the Lord? And then, and then you hear their word from the Lord and like, yeah, I can tell you what you can do with your word from the Lord. <laughs> You, have, you ever been there? And that's how it is, man. Elijah says, I got a word from the Lord for you, Ahab. And Ahab says, forget you. I don't want your word. Elijah then heads east. He heads east for three years. Little known miracle in the Bible that you don't hear many, many people talk about. But while Elijah is in the east for three years, God feeds him by sending him ravens every day to feed him with meat. Elijah then, after being away for three years and eating God's provision for him, Elijah can't shake this word from the Lord that he has for King Ahab, so he returns. And that's where we pick up in the story. 1 Kings 18, 25 through 39. In fact, you just saw that on the video, and, and you saw how that went down, right? He challenges he challenges Ahab to get the prophets. Look at verse 25. We'll go ahead and read it. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the descended, those who've descended from Jacob, the tribes. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars of water. The water ran down around the altar and filled the trench. He ordered them to do it again and again and a third time. And then it goes and it says this. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. These are the, the, the cries of Elijah. So that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. And also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. The Lord. He is what, church? He is God. And he says it again just for uh, impact. The Lord is God. 1 Kings 18, page 205. In your storybook. So, so you get the story. Elijah comes back after three years. He says, hey, we're going to have a showdown. And he starts talking smack. He tells Ahab to go get the 450 prophets. 
And the 450 prophets of the Asherah, and those prophets gather, gather around. And he gets them, he says, we're going to meet on Mount Carmel. And Ahab sends word throughout the community. Hey, there's a showdown that's going to go down on Mount Carmel. Now, I don't know what you think about when you hear that, but I think of middle school. Millwood Elementary School. Sumter, South Carolina. Whenever a fight was going to go down... Hey, did you hear? Hey, Benji Kelly, I remember like it was yesterday, is fighting James Shipman at lunch behind the playground, behind the far swing. Meet us there. Did y'all do that in middle school? Did y'all hear? And word would spread. And then, and then everybody showed up and they formed a big circle to keep the teachers and the principal out. This is what happened. Ahab sends word to everybody and they gather on top of Mount Carmel and they start to have the smack talk of the century. You think Carolina and Duke talk smack. They start talking it up. And Elijah, the godly prophet, right? He's leading the way in the smack talk. He basically says because Ahab puts his altar, puts his uh, sacrifice on the altar. And Ahab calls down the prophet or the gods of Baal to come and burn the sacrifice. And you know what happened. What happened? Nothing. And he kept calling. And what happened? Nothing. And Elijah steps forward and he starts talking, man. He's like, oh, you got to read the sarcasm. Oh, your, your, your God must be busy. Do you know what that means? Let me, let me help. If you study the Hebrew, I'm not making this up. If you study the Hebrew, what Elijah is saying is your God. Oh, maybe he's using the bathroom. Maybe he's busy and he can't come to you. And then time goes by, and then Elijah steps forward. He says, wet, wet the altar. Wet it again. Wet it again, and the water runs over into the trenches. He is setting it up. And by the way, a little side note, the, the gods of Baal, you know what they were known for? Bringing down fire from heaven. Maybe you didn't know that. That's a little nugget you want to write in the margin of your Bible. You can go back and look at ancient art, and the prophets of Baal usually have a lightning rod coming down from heaven or like a lightning rod in their hands. Elijah was basically saying, hey, show down on top of Mount Carmel, and on top of that, I'm going to give you home field advantage. Gods of Baal, they do nothing. Elijah wets it, and he wets it, and he wets it. Sister says, Jesus. And then he calls on God. And God sends forth fire from heaven. Burns up the sacrifice. Licks up, if you will, the water in the trenches. And there was no doubt what had happened. And the Bible says this in 1 Kings 18, 39. Read it out loud with me. Really strong, ready, go. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then there's this question that I want to just pose at you today. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is what? Follow him. You ever find yourself wavering in your faith? Of course you do. We all do. And at this halftime celebration today, what I wanted to do is give us all a chance to catch our breath. I wanted to give us all a chance to say, you know what? Maybe I've started to waver some in my faith. Maybe I'm like 
the prophets of old, and they're combating the fact that I've got these little G gods calling my name all the time, and I have a hard time staying steadfast and faithful to my God. First Kings 18 says, hey, if he is God, give him everything that you have. If he is Lord, follow after him. You see, I think that's a really good word for us on this historic, epic Sunday of Hope Rising. 18 months into a 36-month campaign, and we look around at all that God has done in 18 months. And if we are not careful, we can start to waver. You can, you can study campaigns from start to finish in the history of the American church, and it is about halfway through that people will start to waver just a little bit. They'll start to, maybe a better word is waffle, between what God has destined us to do here as a movement and maybe the luring temptations of little G gods that come our way. So I thought it'd be great to show you a video. We have a productions team here at this church. I say this all the time in association. They're second to none. I don't even know how they pull, but I don't, they put more on film than I even remember. They went back for the last 18 months and they captured what God's done among us. Sit back and just celebrate what God has done through us as a church in the last 18 months. Check this out. On this very first Sunday, I'm striving to establish clarity. I'm striving to establish vision. There are hundreds of thousands of people, you might even say millions of people, in the epicenter of North Carolina who are lost and searching for hope. And in roundabout ways, they're asking us all the time, are you out there, church? Are you out there? Are you going to be out there enough to provide a parking space for me? Are you going to be out there enough to provide a seat for me so that I can come in amongst you and receive the hope and the promise and the peace and the forgiveness of the gospel? Are you out there? Church, we should be excited about this. We should be fired up. We get to do this. We get to give money to reaching people for Jesus, teaching them the word, and releasing fully devoted followers of Christ all over the world. It's time for some of you to come out of the grandstands and get on the playing field. We need every single one of you to show up and stretch yourself. This is why we've been calling it a faith-raising campaign, not just a financial campaign. This is about your faith. Will you trust God? Are you out there? I'm going to invite you to get out of your seats in a moment. And I'm going to invite you to go to the side walls. And I'm going to ask you to write the names on your missing list. I'm going to ask you to humble yourself. Say, God, here's my list. I'm praying over this list. I'm trusting you, God, to use me to build a redemptive relationship with that person. Are you ready to experience the power of God and the miracles of God up in New Hope Church at all of our campuses like never before? Who wants to break ground for Hope Rising?
Let's go do this. Go, go chunk it on the count of three. One, two, three. this church into a big, bold future. It's about vision. We're about to go into a new season. New Hope Church today will not be the church it was last week. I want you to know that this church is about to go to a what? To a whole nother level. Let's use our one and only life that God has given us to spread the gospel because hope is not found in things. Hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood. Let's go get this, church. God is good, God is faithful, we are his people, and if we partner together, we will see the work of God like we've never seen it before. of 10 campuses, but we just stepped into chapter three. We just stepped in to chapter three, and I'm gonna tell you something, we haven't seen anything yet. We have only been scratching the surface of what God wants to do with the people called New Hope Church. Do I have any believers out there? The gospel of Jesus Christ will march on for all time and has marched on for all time. So you got a choice. I got a choice. Are we going to live for the temporal things of this world? Or are we going to live for the gospel? We exist for the missing. Who's on your missing list that you're praying for? Is it your neighbor? Is it your colleague? Is it a family member? Don't you give up on them. No one is ever beyond the reach of God. God has not given up on them. You don't give up on them. This is what Hope Rising is all about. This is what this church is all about. Rising is all about us together working for a God-sized future.
is yet to come. Come on now. Amen. Amen. And amen. If I, I just had this thought, if I was your football coach, and y'all know I love to coach, I coach my kids in baseball, basketball, and football. If I was your coach and it was halftime right now, I'd tell you we are kicking butt and taking names. For the kingdom of God, we are kicking Satan in his teeth. Lives are being changed. People are getting saved. It's happening all over the movement. Way to go, church. Like I, I would, I would, I know this is mixing my faith and coaching, but I do that too. I would tell you Romans 1.8. Romans 1.8. It's really what I want to say to you today. I thank my God for you. Every time I remember you, because your faith is being reported all over what? Thank you. Thank you for, for joining Amy Lynn and I. And being generous Christ followers. And as a result, we get to sit back with front row seats at watching God strut his stuff and build a prevailing movement that is lifting high the light of Christ and pushing back the darkness in the world. Come on now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And some of you watch that video and you're like, I didn't know. Like, I did, I, I'm kind of new here. I, I know. Since October 2014, which is somewhere around 18 months ago, we've had 1,000, I think it's 274 new members join our church. In 18 months, 1,270. So part of this, if you're new here, you get to hear us celebrate and woohoo, way to go, God. And, but a part of us also wants to say to you, hey, you're invited into the journey. You're, you're, because I get asked this sometimes, hey, I, I see what y'all are doing. How, how can I get involved in that? Let me just offer a few comments about um, what you just watched on video, okay? We broke the campaign up based on our vision. Somebody blessed me today. What is the vision of our church? That's right. You see it on every campus you go to. Front of the building, reach, teach, and release. Hope Rising is enabling us to reach further and more effectively through one church, many locations. Everybody say one church, many locations. So that's the reach component of this faith-raising campaign that we kicked off 18 months ago. As a church, we pledged over six million dollars. You're going to see a slide that'll pop up in just a moment that will show you exactly what we pledged as a global movement. Two weeks out from our halftime celebration that we're going to continue to celebrate this month and it's going to culminate on August 21st, you can see we pledged 6.4 million dollars. And right now, this is current, up to date, you have given, with all the other campuses, this is global, this is not just the Durham campus, you have given $3,183,000 towards, yeah, like we're, we're like, look how close we are to halfway, I mean, we're going we're gonna to blow that out come August 21st, if you believe it, let me hear an Amen. The REACH component that I just started to talk to you about involves all the other campuses besides the Durham campus. Those campuses have done everything from uh, expanded their lobby and put in cafes 
to yanking out pews and carpet and in the name of Jesus putting chairs like you have right there in those campuses. They have reduced debt. The Stanford campus, as a result of Hope Rising, paid off every last penny they owed in debt. The, yeah. I'm glad you celebrate what's happening at other campuses because we're what? We're one church. Garner campus has reduced debt quite a bit. All of the campuses have upgraded technology to have more reliable and better sermon streams that go to the campuses. That is the reach component. The second part is what? Teach. And the teach component of Hope Rising, this faith-raising campaign, is represented here at the Durham campus and is enabling us to basically double everything. I mean, that's how I'll give you the summary for Durham campus. Everybody say double. double. We've doubled everything. We've doubled the worship center this way. We flew in this balcony. Um, we've doubled all of our children's ministry space over here. We've doubled the parking lot over there. We've doubled the office space over here. We've doubled our backstage space, uh, backstage space back there. We've doubled everything. And God is already blessing as a result and sending more and more people so that we can introduce them to Benji? No. We can introduce them to Fuller? You? Heck to the no. So that we can introduce them to Jesus. And he can get the glory and the honor and lives can be saved and changed and this world can be put in a better place than it was before we introduced them to Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. That's the teach component. Now I just want to talk to you real quickly about the release component and then I'm going to share a story and a few more verses and, and, and we're going to be done. The release component, so reach is all of our campuses. Teach is where? Durham campus. The release part of Hope Rising is all about missions. I actually say it like this. As a result of Hope Rising, all campuses are pulling together to extend our release through Hope Missions. Let me start locally and then I'm going to go abroad. Did you know that we just finished our 10th Habitat for Humanity house brush with kindness? 10 houses, church. 10. Now, that, that part of Habitat for Humanity is what they call a brush with kindness. That's not where we build the houses from scratch. That's where we come in and we fix up old dilapidated homes in and around the Durham area. Ten. The second half of Hope Rising, guess what we're going to do? Ten. But we're going to veer off of the brush with kindness and go more traditional habitat for humanity. And our goal is to actually help build from scratch ten homes for people who would not be able to otherwise afford housing. Come on, church. Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. We've got the medical clinics in Haiti that you know about, and some of you have been a part of that. We have the Kenya campus. By the way, just heard from my wife. While you and I were sleeping last night, I woke up to her text. The group that went to Kenya they arrived late. For us, it was last night. For them, the sun was coming up. Let me show you a picture of this group. It's got my wife, my son Benjamin, and Anna Grace, my oldest kids, and 15 other New Hopers. Look at them all. They just got to Kenya. 
And they're doing well. They're doing well. They're going to be celebrating New Hope Kenya's two-year anniversary as a church. Um, and I've said this before, and I just want to report it again. Guys, we are experiencing a revival. I mean, in the truest sense, at the New Hope Kenya campus. Um, Acts 2 kinds of stuff. Uh, for example, uh, we got a text not long ago. And the text said, I want to make sure I get the numbers right. Yeah, the, the text said this. Hey, um, we just had nine prostitutes show up at our church and they want to receive Christ. What do we do? What? And, 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 then, and then we texted back, right? What do you mean, what do you do? You're pastors. You lead them to the Lord. Amen? And then by the time we texted them back, they said, oh, we're sorry. It's not nine. It's 23. 23 prostitutes showed up at New Hope, Kenya, and said, we want to receive the Lord. Now, let me say something. I don't know why I just feel led to say this. This is just deep impression in my spirit right now. Don't judge them. Don't judge them. Don't think about prostitutes in a westernized sense. Don't judge them. I've been over there. I've looked into the eyes of a mother with tears running down her face, holding a one-year-old daughter who said to me, I had to come to the realization that my baby was going to die from starvation. Some of these folks sell themselves in prostitution to make sure their children don't die. And some, some are stolen and wrapped up in this slavery, modern day slavery sex trade. Now that's a different story too. So we can't judge them. But 23, which caused us to go, wait a minute, what are you up to, God? And we founded, this is brand new. You haven't heard this before. This is brand new information. Your church has founded a brand new ministry called Street Hope. We've bought the domain name. I think it's in the process of becoming a 501.3C nonprofit organization under the umbrella of New Hope. It's called Street Hope. And it's based, get, get this, it's based out of our New Hope Kenya campus. And our pastors over there, now we have five pastors on staff, um, and they're indigenous Kenyan pastors. Sometimes I get asked about that. Uh, they're indigenous pastors. Uh, the teaching at all the United States campuses are me, are me. Woohoo, where did I come from? Is me. <laughs> it's on the stream. But in Kenya, we knew that we needed to get an indigenous Kenyan uh, who preaches to, they still insist on showing my messages once a month. I'm like, well, why do y'all do that? But by and large, it's indigenous Kenyan brethren who lead that campus over there as a part of Street Hope now they're taking get this they're taking those 23 prostitutes taking them through a one-year leadership development journey and then those 23 prostitutes some we, we hope all of them but you know you, you never know but those who make it through the leadership training they are going to be the ones who turn around and help us lead street hope and rescue more and more women out of the sex trafficking trade it's it's acts two kinds of stuff it's just crazy um 
We're not, I mean, you're loving this so much, I might as well give you a little bit more. Uh, I mean, I flew through the camp. I could, I could camp out on all these for hours. Um, y'all know the Ark Orphanage that we have uh, partnered with for, for a couple years now? I've been there. Many of you have been there. Beautiful orphanage that, that houses 36 children. They'll throw a picture up there right now. Um, they're always running out of space. They have little bedrooms about the size of, of uh, half of this front stage right here would be a, a bedroom. And they sleep nine children per bedroom. Um, it's an unbelievable orphanage. And we support them every single month through our Hope Rising funds. Um, what you might not have known is that most of the money that we give them every single month goes towards rent. That's not good. And they're having a hard time making it. Through God's grace and, and favor, because you know what, favor ain't fair. Through God's favor, we've been able to get access to buy that parcel of land. We have attorneys that have already written up all the paperwork. We're getting it checked out by some attorneys here in the United States. The Kenyan government has put its stamp of approval on it. It looks like we are going to be able to buy one acre of land. That's what that is. One acre, 0.9 to be exact. 0.9 acres uh, that the Ark Orphanage is on. We're going to be able to buy that acre and that building. Ho, 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 ho. Because you might be thinking an acre of land, what would that cost you? Here, it costs us $80,000 an acre per acre to get this land with no building on it. We are going to be able to buy that piece of property because it's Kenya and not the United States. One acre and the orphanage on top of it for $40,000. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I told you about the Ark Orphanage. I might as well tell you about one more thing. Right across the street, right across the street is a piece of land that um, has also become available to us. It's also an acre. And I told you a revival is happening in the New Hope Kenya campus. Pray with us over this. This decision has not been made yet, but your leadership is praying about this. It looks like we're going to be able to buy that acre across the street for less money because there's no building on it. And we are going to be launching a second campus in Kenya. The New Hope Kenya campus is going to give birth to another campus. Here's the, here's the land. Let me show you the land first. Here's the land right across the street. Okay, And here's what that land might look like if we buy it and put a New Hope campus on that parcel of land where we can also bless the children across the street. Now that's exciting. But you know what that means, church? We're, we're about to maybe have a grandchild. Seriously, this is how I've been talking to the staff about it. Every time we launch a campus, that's our church giving birth to a child. You, you with me? But this will be the very first time ever that a, a child, a campus, is going to give birth to another campus. It's really, really exciting. And who would have ever thunk it that it would happen in Kenya? Now, some of, the, some of our American campus pastors, they're going, wait a minute, what's up? Whoa, whoa, how, how are they doing that over there? We need to do that here first. It's awesome. Some healthy competition is always good. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So that's, that's Hope Missions. Again, I thank my God for you. But 1 Kings 18, 21, here's that verse again. Can I, just, can I just show it to you one more time? How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is what? Follow him. The Lord is God, 
follow him. So we're going to move toward August 21st, and it's going to be the culmination of the halftime celebration. And to lead us there, I want to invite you to take out this brochure that you received on the way in. Every single person should have received this. It's getting hot up here under these lights. Why don't y'all wave it and get some air going up here? Everybody grab that, okay? Here it is. It's the Hope Rising brochure, hot off the press. For those of you who are new around here, this is going to be so helpful for you. You see there's a front side and there's a back side. There's a letter from me on the back side, and then there's uh, the front side as well. The best is yet to come. If you open that up, you'll see different things in the brochure itself. You'll see all kinds of pictures of things that I've talked about today and some things that I haven't talked about today. You'll also see a life change through living water project update. See, I haven't told you so much today. We, we have that well that we've, that we've dug in um, Kenya. We're going to be doing another one in western Kenya in the next year where there is no electricity in this village. So it is solar driven. And so we're very, very excited about that. But there's an update on that water project. Over here on the far right-hand side is a pledge card. It's a pledge card. And on this pledge card, it's going to walk you through several options that I'm going to ask that every single person who considers this their church home participates in. To which some of you are like, well, wait a minute, man. I did that 18 months ago. Exactly. Let me explain. This is going to show you how really all you might want to do is confirm what you pledged 18 months ago. So you don't need to tear it off, but I'll tear it off now. It's a perforated pledge card. You bring that back on August 21st. And let me just explain to you the three different groups that are represented there as you study that pledge card. There is option A. This is for those of you who are confirming your prior commitment. You can read all the details later, but basically, if you're new around here, you need to know that, that hundreds and probably thousands of us actually pledged 18 months ago. And that's where that 3.3 or 3.6 million that we just looked at earlier, that's where that number has come from. Many of us pledged, and we are giving to that monthly. We're right on track. This is for those of you who pledged, and, and here's the deal. You're like, I'm still good to go with that pledge. I feel great. I'm right on track. I'm all in, nothing's changing. And that will be completely acceptable and wonderful. There's another group. This is option B. This is my new commitment to hope rising. My new commitment. As I said, 1,270 some odd people have joined our church since October of 2014. Many of you want to get involved. Some of you were here back then in 2014, and for whatever reason, you didn't get involved. But now you're thinking... I can do an 18-month pledge towards all that God is doing. So that's those. Option C is a revised commitment. This is for those of you who pledged and you feel led. Listen closely. You feel led to change your pledge. You've already paid it off, which is, by the way, the case for many people. You've paid it off and you want to pledge more the second half. Or God's blessed you and you've, you've experienced unbelievable abundance and you want to change it that way? You might be saying, really? We can change our pledge to Hope Rising? Really? Yes. Upwards. <laughs> All joking aside, if, 
if something happened in someone's life and they needed to adjust it the other way, we would totally understand that as well. But we know that some of you, <laughs> I'm glad y'all enjoyed that so much. We know that some of you want to give more because God has blessed you. So, God is good. All the time. How long will you waver between two options? If the Lord is God, follow Him. Some of you might be wavering. Some of you might be waffling between, am I going to fulfill my pledge or should I get, or some of you are here, like, am I even going to honor God with the, with the biblical tie, the bare minimum of 10%? Am I going to do that? I would say to you, if He is God, follow Him. Even with your finances. In fact, that's the first thing we should do if we want to walk in favor and blessings of God. If He is God, follow Him. I'm, I'm reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew's gospel. Same kind of idea, right? Waffling between two gods, a little G God and a capital G God. Jesus would say in Matthew's gospel, no one can serve Two masters. Either he will what? Hate the one and love the other. Or you will be devoted to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Elijah was saying you can't serve the gods of Baal and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can't do it. So choose comes to money, what we're talking about today, Jesus says, you cannot serve the little g God of American currency and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who sent his son Jesus for you. You can't do it. So the word says, choose this day whom you will serve. If he is God, what? Follow him. So I got good news and I got bad news. Here's the good news. 63% of our church now gives online. 63% of every dollar that comes into this church, Hope Rising and those of you who tithe to this church, 63% of that is online giving. You might say, why is that good news to you, Pastor? Because I think it is the most safe and reliable way to honor God with your finances. It's, it's the best thing. My wife and I used to cut a check every single month, and then we went to online giving, and it is just wonderful. That is the good news, 63%. We want to see that just keep growing. So, Could you imagine one day maybe never needing to even take an offering in church? Now, that would be awesome. 63%, that's good news, right? You know some bad news? And I think this is bad news. Let me make sure I get my percentage right. Only 27% of that giving is recurring giving. Only 27% is recurring giving. Faithful givers who honor God with their finances set up systems whereby it is recurring. In other words, faithful givers, this is biblical, you've probably heard of the concept tithing, apodicato, giving 10% of it. Faithful givers who honor God even with their finances sit down, figure out their income streams, they do the math, they figure out 10%, and they set up a system whereby they can honor God week in and week out, or month in and month out. My wife and I give monthly, we don't give weekly. 
If you don't do it recurring, come on, is it not true? Is it not easy to let it slip? Is it not easy to waffle and waver? And for those, those of you who still write checks or you bring cash out to church, is, is it not easy to... You, you ever had that person, you know that friend of yours, who every time you go to lunch, they leave their wallet in the car? <laughs> oh, y'all know that person. Every time you're having lunch or dinner, when the bill comes, they get little short arms. <laughs> I think there's a commercial about that, actually. Is there? Yeah. And, and, then, and then they go... And they go, oh, my wallet's in the car. Some of you have heard it so many times, you want to say, well, why don't you get off your butt and go to the car and get your wallet? But you don't because you love God and you say, I'll, I'll get it. And you grab the bill. And some of you know what it's like to come to church and it comes offering time and you're like, why? Because nobody carries cash anymore. Who, who writes checks anymore? Online giving and there's a you'll see a slide that shows a, a graph there's a place for you to click recurring so you figure out what you're going to give to hope rising you figure out what you're going to tithe if you're going to do both or one and you just click recurring and guess what it just happens every single month and you can put your head on your pillow with great peace and confidence knowing that you are honoring God with your finances. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Hey, Galatians 6, 9, I just want to, if I was the coach again, I would just be encouraging you at halftime here. Let us not grow of what? For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Now, some of us said that. I didn't ask you to. Now, let's all read it out really loud like it's the word of God. Ready? Go. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. March 6th, 1987, there was an, uh, a pre-Olympic meet in Indianapolis. It was the 1,500-meter race. A man by the name of Iman Coughlin, an Irish world record holder of 1,500 meters, was running in a qualifying heat in the World Track Indoor Championship in Indianapolis. He starts out running, and with two and a half laps left, the dude beside him accidentally trips him. He falls to the ground. The commentators make comment about it. They think he doesn't have a chance. Iman Coughlin gets up, and with two and a half laps left, he puts it into high gear, and he starts running and running and running, and he catches up with the top three runners. He passes the third one, which puts him in third place, enough to qualify for the Olympics that was to come. As he gets close to the finish line, he can see the finish line. It's right there. He looks to his left, and he sees no one, and he lets up. You've seen this happen before, right? The Olympics is right around the corner. Watch. It'll happen. He lets up because he doesn't see anybody. And at that very moment, someone on his right-hand side jets in front of him, finishes third, and qualifies for the Olympics. The entire comeback of Ian Coughlin fell short 
Why? Because he let up. It's halftime, church. Let's not let up. Let's not grow weary in doing good. Let's keep Christ front and center. Let us be reminded that Isaiah 40, 31 says this, those that trust in God will run and not grow weary. Hebrews 12 says this. I love this verse and I'm done. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and what? Perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Look what God has done with us in the first 18 months of Hope Rising. I will say it. I said it on that video and I will say it again. We haven't seen anything yet. Let us keep our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us stay strong. Let us stay passionate. And let us watch God continue to use us to bless this sin scarred, dark world with the everlasting light of Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, can I get a hearty amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the core team to come on out. I'm going to turn it over to the campus pastors, and they will lead you from here at all of our campus locations. You guys remember what I said? The subtitle of this message today was about how to wreck your life. What is it? Living in what? Fear. Some of you are here today, and when I talk about money, and by the way, I talk about it. I don't make any apologies about it. Amen? Do you want me to be a biblical preacher? Do you want me to preach the Word of God to you? The Word of God talks about money. Some of you are here, though, when I talk about money, you get fearful. You get scared. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. I want to invite you to try to stay put. Don't go jetting for the door. And I want to invite you to sing to the top of your lungs. There's a lyric in this song that says this, I'm no longer a slave to fear. To which you might say, I, I, I am still fearful. But why don't you sing it maybe today as if it were true? Just imagine that it's true today. Sing to the top of your lungs. I'll come out at the very end and, and send you off. But I believe this can be more than a song today. I believe some of you are here and what you need to do is make this your heart cry and say, Lord, I've never really honored you with my finances. I've heard it taught over and over again, but I've just, I've just become a consumer. Can I love you enough to challenge you to move away from consumer Christianity? Can I love you enough to encourage you to be a contributing, faithful follower of Jesus? Contributing to what God is doing here and around the world? Let this song be a part of your response. And may he receive all the glory and the honor. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org 
and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast, and thanks for being a part of our church family.